pick up with part, whatever part of this is, I think it's part three at this point of our series, As He Is. Um, and it all comes from the verse. I'm not going to show it to you this morning because I have, um, I'm, I'm trying to be careful about how many verses we incorporate. Uh, but it all comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. If I'm not, yeah, 1 John 4, 17. And we're looking at the scripture that says, as he is, so are you in this world. And uh, one of the problems that we've seen in the church, and again, just laying the foundation, one of the problems that we've seen in the church is that for years we have been taught you are sinners saved by grace. Now, all that is wonderful, but let me say this. You are not a sinner. You were a sinner, and you were saved by grace. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, again, once we understand our identity, I believe it will vastly change our experience in life. Uh, what I didn't share last Sunday, and I wanted to share, I think one of the reasons why so many believers struggle with addictions and other problems in life, things they can't let go of, I believe, is because of wrong believing. Wrong believing. You've been taught this is what you are your whole life, so it's hard to walk away from what you have been taught. If you believe you are something, it's hard to stop being the thing that you believe that you are. But the moment someone comes in and sheds light into the darkness and they tell you that's not who you are, that's what you're doing, but what you're doing and who you are are two different things, then all of a sudden true transformation can happen. And so I believe that's really at the root of what we're studying uh, for the last couple of weeks, but we are going to bring this to an end, I think, today. Hopefully, we'll see. So this morning, I'm going to look at the high priest garments again. As he is, so are we in this world and what that means. But before we do, let's look at, um, let's look at Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter, where are we at? Chapter 1? Hebrews chapter 1. We have a new clicker this morning. So if you see me fumbling around, that's why. Hebrews chapter 1, we'll pick up at verse 1. The author of Hebrews says, God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past, in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory. And pause for one moment. Who is the son he's talking about here? I know Sunday school answer. Jesus. Simple answer, right? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. I love that phrase right there. Being the express image of his person. I got into a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. uh, Who's a different denomination. And I love having these, not debates, but conversations, all right? Don't debate with someone who doesn't want to talk. They only want to tell you what they think. So anyways, I had a conversation with a person who didn't really want to talk. They wanted to tell me what they thought. And when we got down to the part of conversation, we were talking about God's will. I said, I believe Jesus was God's will in motion. Jesus was God in flesh. Jesus was God walking among us, living among us. He was the will of God. Did Jesus ever turn anyone away and tell them, sorry, I can't heal you? He didn't turn anyone away, all right? Did Jesus ever make somebody sick? No. No. So can we say, can we agree, Jesus is the image of God himself? Jesus is God's will in motion. So when it comes to understanding God's will, again, this is my belief, I don't believe that when you look at Jesus and you don't see him making people sick, you don't see him uh, uh, turning sick people away, I don't believe that it's God's will for me to be sick. Everyone who comes to him, even the woman who came and he didn't know she was there until after she received from him, even she was healed. So everyone who comes to him is God's heart for you to be healed. Now, we know in the church, that's not always the case. Some people don't get healed at that moment. Some people don't get healed. But at the end of the day, the question is not, did they or did they not? The question is, is it God's will for you to be healed? 
So let's settle that once and for all. And the express image of his person, Jesus, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now we're going to stop right here. I love verse 3. And every Easter for the last two years, we've shared this verse because this verse is phenomenal. I love this verse. When he had by himself, not with the help of anyone else, but when he had by himself, Jesus, purged our sins. When he purged your sins, what did he do? He sat down. He sat down. Now again, we we shared this last week. When the high priest comes into God's presence, he never sits down. There's a table with bread, and yet there's no chair. You can come in, you can eat, but you must must keep going. There's nowhere for you to rest. When you come into God's presence under the old, you never rest. But Jesus comes into God's presence. He does all the work that needs to be done. Then he says, it is finished. Then he sits down. Are you with me? He did not sit down because he was the son of God. He is. He did not sit down because he was perfect, holy. And if anyone can sit down, Jesus can. He didn't sit down because he could. He sat down. Why? Because he had purged your sin. He purged your sin. The fact that Jesus is seated is evidence my sin has been purged. That's why, listen, we are so adamant about when it comes to sin. Jesus has removed it. He has removed it. And in a church that talks about it a lot, I was actually listening to the podcast last night when I went to sleep. And I thought, man, we talk a lot about forgiveness of sins. But I believe it's so true. But I, I, I think we need to. Because today, in 2018, I can tell you there are so many people still struggling. Still struggling. And my Bible says Jesus sat down because my sin was purged. Are you with me? If my sin has not been purged, then he wouldn't be sitting down. But he is seated because all my sin has been purged. Thank you, Jesus. Are you still with me? All right, let's keep going. Let's look at... Whoa, that was a big jump. Ah, I know what happened. Okay. Again, for the sake of too many verses. Okay. So are you still with me? Can you turn with me to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. And we're going to come to the high priest in just a moment. But again, I want to lay the foundation. And the reason why is, and I I didn't put this in there, but in Hebrews chapter 7, while you're turning there, in Hebrews chapter 7, the author says this, I wish, and I shared this last Sunday, he says, I wish that I could tell you about the high priest. I wish I could go into more detail. And I'm paraphrasing. I wish I could go into more detail. But you are dull of hearing and still need milk. In other words, you're not mature yet. And I still have to cover the elementary truths. So I can't go to the deeper truths of the high priest. So I don't want to just jump to the high priest without laying the foundation. I know all of us, we've covered many of the things that he mentions are elementary truths in the past. But I want to make sure that we always are on the same playing field. Because when we come to the high priest, we're looking at symbols. We're looking at pictures. And it's not a lot of, uh, of going into why this or why that. You're just seeing God's heart for you. Raw and unfiltered as it is. So before we pull the veil back, let's lay some foundation real quick. Um, look at Romans. Where do you say? Romans chapter 8. Now Romans chapter 8. We're going to pick up at verse 31. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be? against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things all things now i love this verse i love this verse in fact every time i get a chance to share somewhere else for the first time this is always my go-to verse i love this verse 
And I'm going to show you why in just a moment. But I put this word in bold, with him. Do you see that? With him. Now, where are you today? As far as God is concerned, you are as Jesus is right now. But where are you today? You are in who? You're in Christ. You're in Jesus. You're in Christ. And did you know that God does not bless anyone apart from Christ? In fact, I did a study not about two weeks ago. You will not find one place in the New Testament that says God blesses you, God favors you, God protects you apart from Christ. You won't find it. In the New Testament, you will find in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. In fact, I don't have time, but if we had time, I could show you in Ephesians chapter 1. He says in Him four times, I counted, just in chapter 1 alone. In fact, chapter 1 opens by saying this, In Him, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not most, not some, not a few, not the ones He wants to give today because He likes you. No, in Him, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He doesn't hold back. He just gives you all to you. Because you are where? In him. in him. The second time in Him pops up, He says this. In Him, you have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Beautiful. The third time He says in Him, and I'm, I might be getting wrong, but the third time He says in Him, He says you have an inheritance. The fourth time in Him, you're sealed for favor and protection. I mean, it's beautiful. When you realize you are in Him, all of a sudden everything that belongs to Him belongs to you. And in him, God is blessing him so that he can bless you. If it's me, I'll never get the blessing. I'll never get the favor. I'll never get the protection. I should expect things to happen to me. I should expect things to go wrong. But in him, I should always expect the best. Because I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm getting what Jesus deserves. And again, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Can Jesus experience bad things? No, he's at God's right hand. Then can I? No. When something happens that's unexpected, does Jesus always expect the best? Then so should I. Because as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Are you with me? And we can say this all morning, but that's not my message. Where are we at? Watch this. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, with him, also freely give us all things? In fact, when I was studying this, I was just meditating on that verse. And I felt like the Lord just impressed on me. Stop putting limitations on me. Stop putting limitations on me. You're asking me for this. You're asking me for that. So many people come because they want one or two things. Don't believe for a few. Believe for all things. When you come to me, I'm not just giving you the one you asked for. I'm giving you all things. Because with him, how will he not also with him give you all things? And the word freely, I love that word because the word freely also means graciously. How will he not graciously give you all things? You want all things? Then stop trying to pay for it. It has to be free. Now, it doesn't mean that because it's free, it's cheap. I know sometimes we go to the cheap stores because we want to pay less for more. But free does not mean cheap in this instance. Free means it's priceless. If God puts a price on it, then he devalues it. Are you with me? God doesn't put a price on it. And he doesn't put a price on his son. In fact, I share, when we share this all the time when we talk about love. When it comes to the love of God, if God did not withhold his only son, if God didn't put a price tag on Jesus, but he puts a price tag on healing, then what he's saying is healing is more valuable than his son. Are you with me? And nothing is more valuable than the son. So thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, let me show you this in the Amplified. Watch this. The Amplified Classic Edition says this, He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Now, we just explained that, but I love when you can see it for yourself. The Amplified, literally, I love when you see it for yourself. All other things. God is giving you everything. Not just a few things. He's giving you everything. So let's not limit him. Can we keep going? Watch this. Romans chapter 4. Same book, Romans chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says this. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, and I believe that's all of us this morning. Him who does not work, but believes on him who makes righteous the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Now aren't you glad you are not made righteous because you believe God makes good people righteous? No, the moment you believe God makes ungodly people righteous, God counts that believing as righteousness. You are right with God because you believe God takes bad people and gives them his righteousness. Aren't you glad? He doesn't take good people or people who are trying. He takes people who are not working, meaning they're not trying to be good. They just believe that God is good. And then God makes them righteous. So watch this. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. David is about to describe how blessed the person is who stops trying to deserve God's favor and just receives it. Are you ready to see his blessing? Watch this. Verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Again, it goes back to what we said. Jesus did not just sit because he was the son. He sat because your entire lifetime of sin has been purged. There's a belief that says, well, you know, uh, the moment I received Jesus, all my sin up to him was forgiven. But now I have to come back to him and get forgiveness and get forgiveness and get forgiveness. And they quote from 1 John that says, um, if we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. Now, we'll talk about that another time. We've shared it at least four times on Sundays and on Wednesdays. But suffice to say this, this verse, this verse was written to the Gentile church specifically for you. What is he trying to say to you? You are so blessed. Because even when you sin, God does not even impute that sin to you. Are you with me? If this is past tense sins, past tense, then why would he say shall not? I know we're all English majors in here, right? (laughs) I don't think you have to be an English major to understand shall not. He shall not. The Lord shall not impute sin. Let me ask you something. Does this man, is he blessed because he doesn't sin? I know these are deep thoughts for Sunday mornings. Is this man blessed because he doesn't sin? No, he is blessed because when he sins, God does not impute his sin to him. Now, how can God be righteous and just and say, I'll never impute your sins to you? Because 2,000 years ago at a cross, God imputed our entire lifetime of sin in the body of his son. And there at the cross, Jesus didn't suffer for my past sins. He didn't suffer for the sins until my next confession. He suffered for my entire lifetime of sin. And now I am blessed because when I sin, God does not impute my sin to me. Are you with me? You are blessed, whether you believe it or not. You are blessed because when you sin, God is not imputing your sin to you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's skip ahead to verse 13. Now, now that we believe this, look at verse 13, skipping ahead. For the promise that Abraham would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
Now watch this. What is the righteousness of faith? It is the one who believes, not the one who does. The one who believes, watch this. He is an heir of the promise that God gave Abraham. What promise did God give Abraham? You will inherit the world. You will inherit the world. Oh man, that's that prosperity gospel. (laughs) If you don't want to inherit the world, don't. Alright, I'm going to leave it for you. You don't want to inherit? Don't inherit. But if God says, Matthew, you are the seed of Abraham. And the only qualification to be the seed of Abraham in Galatians is you must belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham. And if you are the seed of Abraham, the the promise that God has given you is you will be an heir of the world. You don't want it? Don't take it. But I think that's an awesome promise with sweet, sweet deal. I want it. So watch this. The promise is not for those who are working, but it's through those who are believing. And watch this. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. grace. <laughs> Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. Thank you for that. Grace. Why? So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. If it was by the law, only those who are perfect will get it. So God says, I'm going to make the promise by grace. Now, now there is a sure guarantee. Everyone qualifies. Not everyone's experiencing it. You're right, because not everyone knows. God's people don't suffer for a lack of doing. We suffer for a lack of knowledge. What we don't know is hurting us. What we believe wrong is hurting us. People say, oh, that's the prosperity gospel. You just believe God wants everyone to be well. You're absolutely right. (laughs) You are absolutely right show me one time Jesus didn't heal someone show me one place where he says by his stripes some will get healed but the others will suffer for the glory of God won't find it because it's not there (laughs) it's not there in fact my conversation with my friend they said this I believe people suffer for the glory of God and I said how does God get glory from me suffering how you can't even show me that in the Bible you can't even explain that to me How God gives glory. Well, that's the only way I can explain it. Stop trying to reason with your mind and let God's word speak for itself. Let God's word. The only way you are sure to have the promise is if it comes by grace. If it comes by grace, you are sure to get it. Thank God that there's a group of people at 5415 Airport Drive in Charlotte, North Carolina that have just said, hey, I quit trying. I quit. It's all you. I believe you've made me, who never gets it right, you've made me righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Now the promise has been sure. It's been guaranteed. You will inherit the world. Now if you don't want it, don't say amen. But you will inherit the world. By the grace of God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, it's yours. You ready to go home? No. We didn't see the high priest's garments yet. So let's go on from here, okay? Are you ready to see the high priest's garments? Let's look at our wonderful high priest. Now again, we're going to zoom in in just a moment. And today, we're only going to touch on one piece of the high priest's garments. And we're choosing these pieces on purpose. Again, like we said last week, we're not touching on the colors. Because again, the colors, you have four colors. You have purple, scarlet, fine linen, and blue. They represent the four gospels in that order. Now we're not going to get into the four gospels, the four faces of Jesus, and how the the colors, we're not here to do that this morning. All right? Um, but we are going to look at the pieces on the high priest's garments that speak of you. Because the question we want to answer is this. If God says, as Jesus is, so am I in this world, I want to know, how does God see Jesus? 
right? Now, the first part one, we looked at how Jesus is. We saw how Jesus is and we say, okay, this is how we are to see him. So this is what we should expect. But today, last Sunday and today, I want to share on, I want to finish up. How does God see Jesus? Because you are accepted in Jesus. So when God looks at Jesus, what does God see? Now, last week we touched on the shoulders first. Remember, we touched on the shoulders. Your name is inscribed on his shoulders, right? On the onyx stone. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus carrying you on his shoulders. And when we were, when we were kids, we were always taught the, uh, the idea of the shepherd. Well, the shepherd breaks the legs of the sheep when they run away. And so when I was a kid, I would always read that story, that parable in Luke, where Jesus says, the good shepherd leaves 99 and go, goes and finds the one. But because of wrong teaching, I automatically input this verse that's not there. You won't find it. I input this verse that said, and when he findeth the sheep, because it's Old Testament, I'm sorry, Old King James. When he findeth the sheep, he doth breaketh its legs. All right. And, and as a kid, I did. When I was a kid, you input this verse that, that's not there. Did Jesus say he finds the sheep and breaks legs? Now, we take what shepherds did and we say, well, they break legs. But Jesus never said that. David did not say, the Lord is my shepherd, he breaketh my legs. Are you with me? He never said that. So let's take the Bible for what it says, not for what men think it means. Jesus says, the good shepherd leaves 99, he goes, finds me. When he finds me, he puts me on his shoulders. And then he rejoices. When he gets home, he calls his friends and says, rejoice with me, I found Matthew. Isn't that beautiful? Right? So when God looks at you, when God looks at Jesus, I'm sorry, when he looks at Jesus and he looks at you, he sees you on Jesus' shoulders, singing, dancing, rejoicing, calling everyone else to say, let's rejoice because Matthew has come to me for something else. He needs me again. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, thank you to myself because okay. you get the point. Are you with me? So we're on his shoulders. And then we looked at the breastplate. All right. We looked at the breastplate. Your name is inscribed, engraved, just like the shoulders It's engraved. If it was written, it could be blotted out. But it's engraved. Meaning what? When God looks at Jesus, he says, you have delighted yourself in me. I will give you the desires of your heart. And you become God's gift to the Son. Isn't that awesome? That's why when people make you feel unworthy, turn them off. If you're in a service and the preacher makes you feel like you are not worthy, get up. Walk out. Walk out. I have, you have nothing else to, to, to teach me. <laughs> Because you know what? God found me worthy enough to give me as a gift to his son. Are you with me? And Jesus, listen, you are on his heart engraved. And what did he do? He takes you and he puts you, like we saw last week, he puts you in gold. He establishes you in his righteousness. Well, Lord, I'm not worthy. You're worthy enough to be put in his gold. To be established in his righteousness. Why does he establish you in his righteousness? Because he knows once you are established in his righteousness, you will be far from oppression. All your children will be taught by the Lord and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Are you with me? So we're on his shoulders and we're in his heart. You still with me? So we're going to look at one more piece on the high priest's garments. We're going to look at the headband. And the headband is so cool. In fact, we're, we're devoting a whole service just to the headband. Are you ready? Let's look at the headband. Exodus chapter 28, and before we do, real quick, before we do, I want to show you something that I believe is going to add more worth and value to who you are. Exodus 28 verse 2, God says, you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Don't forget, Aaron was the high priest. Aaron was the high priest. So he says, look, you will make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for what? And what? Beauty. Watch this. All that that is, God says, this 
will make Aaron, your brother, glorious and beautiful. Isn't that awesome? You make Jesus glorious and beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Then not just that. What about the priest? What about those who are not high priests? What about the priest, Aaron's sons, who do the daily task? All of us are priests. The Bible says in Revelations, by his blood, he's made all of us kings and priests. So watch this. What about Aaron's sons? What about you? For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics and you shall make them make sashes for them. And you shall make hats for them for glory and for beauty. What is God saying? You make Jesus beautiful. He makes you beautiful. In fact, I was actually meditating on this and I felt impressed from the Lord to share this this morning. And I wrote it in my notes because I didn't want to forget. And I felt impressed from the Lord to say this. The more you see yourself in him. All right. Consciously see yourself in him. You're becoming more beautiful and more glorious. All right. Not that you're not beautiful. Some of you, I have to say it by faith. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You are beautiful. But the more you see yourself in him, more glory is shining on you and you're becoming more beautiful. May you be the most beautiful people in the city of Charlotte. Amen. And it's hard to say that because I have the most beautiful wife in the world. Amen. She's walking out. I had to throw that out there before she hit the door. <laughs> now, let's look at the high priest garments real quick. On the headband we see right here on his head, it says holiness to the Lord in Hebrew. In fact, let's look at that in Exodus 28. Watch this. Exodus 28 verse 36 says this. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet holiness to the Lord. It's so interesting. You see the word engrave here again. When it comes to you, God doesn't like writing anything. He doesn't like writing your name. He just loves to engrave your name everywhere. <laughs> he doesn't like to write your name. He just loves to engrave it. So watch this. Like the engraving of a signet holiness to the Lord. Now let's look at this real fast. Verse 37, you shall put it on a blue cord, say blue. blue, blue cord, that it may be on the turban and it shall be on the front of the turban. Now watch this real quick. Let me show you, show you the picture. You can't see the blue here. What you see is the gold, right? What you have is a white turban and on the front you have a blue headband. On top of the blue headband or the blue cord, as it's called in the New King James, you have the gold plate that says holiness to the Lord. Now I'll explain the plate in just a moment. But holiness is on top of the blue cord. Now, some of you are getting it. What does the color blue in the Bible represent? Oh, come on. You know this. What does the color blue in the Bible represent? Grace. Blue in the Bible represents grace. God's holiness rests on his grace. Are you with me? When I saw that, man, I got excited. Next time someone tries to tell you about holiness, tell them, you know what? No, don't, don't do that. We don't use the Bible to fight people. <laughs> but his holiness rests on his grace. Verse 38. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Now let me break this verse down real quick and we'll, we'll move on. Verse 38 one more time. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead. Why his forehead? Forehead speaks of your thoughts, your intellect. We shared this, I think, last week or the week before. In the end, in Revelation, there is a number put on the right hand and a number put on the forehead. What's that number? The mark of the beast? 666. Six is the number of man. 666, man in his perfection. The best that man can come up with. Now, I've shared before and I listened to that sermon and realized I didn't go as far as I wanted to. Let me say this. I don't believe people get that sign in the club. 
I don't, in fact, I don't even believe they get the 666 um, in the world, wherever they go, all right? People in the world. I believe most people are getting that sign in church. Because 666 is man in his perfection. When you come to the house of God, are you hearing Jesus did it all? Or are you hearing what have you not done? And if you're hearing what you have not done or what you need to do better, what you're doing is this. You're putting power to what you can do. You're putting power to what you can come up with up here. And you walk out of the church not knowing someone has just put 666 on your hand and on your forehead. Are you with me? So watch this. God says, I want to fix this. I want to fix this. I don't want you to try to trust in your own strength or trust in your own intellect. So what I'll do is this. On the forehead of the high priest, on his forehead, what will he have? Holiness to the Lord. And watch this. That Aaron may bear the iniquity, the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in their holy gifts. Now watch this. You know, when you come to church this morning, we, uh, uh, that last song we played before the sermon, right? Uh, let your praises rise. From the lips of your people, let your praises rise, right? That beautiful song. When you lift your hands, you're doing something that's holy, right? The Bible says lift up holy hands. We lift our hands, that's a holy thing. But while your hands are lifted, I don't know if you've ever done this. I try not to do it anymore. But while I'm lifting my hands, sometimes if I'm in the front, I go, is my shirt long enough? Pull your pants up, son. They're looking at you. All right? If my hand starts waving, I go, are they looking at my hands waving? And then my mind kicks in and goes, stop, Matthew. See Jesus. Okay, Lord, I see you. Then I go, is the song loud enough? That's just an excuse because you don't want to stand here in front of all these people waving your hands. Now listen, as far as God is concerned, he's going, what are you doing? (laughs) Me and you time. Me and you time. That's not going to work for me, son. So what does he do? He says, Aaron will bear the iniquity of 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 the holy things, of the holy gifts, which we are supposed to make holy. So when I come into God's presence, all my thoughts should be holiness to the Lord, but they're not. So Jesus comes as my high priest, and when God sees me lifting my hands, instead of looking at my thoughts, he says, whoa, Matthew's lifting his hands again. Oh, this is good. This is good. What are Matthew's thoughts? Wait a second. As Jesus is, so he looks not, he doesn't look at my thoughts. Whose thoughts does he look at? What are Jesus' thoughts? Holiness to the Lord. And God blesses him. And me in him, I get blessed. That's why when you come to church, you can lift your hands. And then if you put your hands down, don't feel guilty. They're looking at me. It's okay. You can do that in here. I know the pastor really well. You can do that in here, all right? It's okay. You can make mistakes in your praise and worship. I hate that she sings too loud. You can make mistakes in your praise and worship. He misses a note every time we sing that verse. You can make mistakes in your praise and worship. He bears the iniquity of the holy things, right? And God judges us in him. As he is, so are we in this world. Are you still with me? Now, watch, this is so cool. Of all the pieces on the high priest's garments, all of this, God says he must come perfectly dressed, and I will accept the high priest, right? But this is the only place God says something different. Watch this. Look at verse 38 one more time. The second part. It says, And it shall always be on his forehead, and I'll explain that in a moment, that they may be accepted before the Lord. That word they is not talking about the high priest anymore. Now he's talking about the people. He's talking about all of us. All of us. Now, you know what? I'll explain that in one moment. It will always be on his forehead. If you go back to the Jewish rabbi commentary, and rabbis all agree on the same thing, you do not wear the high priest's garments at home. Let alone wear the turban at home. You just don't. 
So when God said it will always be on his forehead, what did he really mean? So some people say, well, once you're a high priest, is it? You just live there. But you can't live there. Right? You have to go home. You have to take a bath. So what do you do? Do you take a bath with the, with the helmet on, with the, with the turban on? No, you don't do that. So what was God really trying to say? And they all agree God was talking about a further time. That when the great high priest would come on his forehead, it would always be there. Now watch this. What does that mean for all of us? Jesus' thoughts are always holiness to the Lord. And because his thoughts are holiness to the Lord, we are accepted in him. Now, this is the only place, like I said earlier, this is the only place that says we are accepted. Everywhere else is so that the high priest will be accepted. But now God says, because his thoughts are correct, I will accept all of you. Now, would you like to know why? Are you ready? Let me show you why. The Bible says in Proverbs, don't let me mess it up. Proverbs 23, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Why is that so important? I was meditating on this, and I said, Lord, why is the, the, why is the headband the only piece you say this? Why is the headband the only thing that gets this much attention on the high priest's garments? Why are we accepted because his thoughts are correct? And then I saw this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, the war for you, the war against you, I know when we encounter things on a physical plane, and we talked about spiritual warfare, you can go back and listen to those, all right? I don't want to reteach that message, but think about this for a moment. When you have a, an attack against you, all right, a physical attack, and you know that it's a spiritual attack, where did it start? In your mind. Long before the devil can make something manifest here, he has to first win a battle up here. Now, I'm not going to quote again, but you can go back to uh, 2 Corinthians. I want to say 10. I could be wrong. You can go back to 2 Corinthians, I believe. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity, right? Bringing every thought. So the battle is actually up here in your mind. As a man thinks, so is he. Long before we have a problem out here, the enemy has won something up here. And we saw when we did our spiritual warfare segment, the, 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 the battle is never to convince you to do something bad. It's always to convince you God is not gracious anymore. And the moment he robs you of God's grace, like Eve, he can make you do anything. Are you with me? So what happens is this. If we lose up here, then we start experiencing things out here. Now, don't feel judged or condemned this morning. You say, well, I'm experiencing a lot. Have I, have I failed? No, it's not a failure on your part. Jesus is our great high priest. And even though you might have failed, he never fails. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. So in the name of Jesus, every attack and assault against you is turning in the name of Jesus. And against your children. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. But all this happens as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what does the enemy do? He wants to make you think the wrong things. He wants to make you think the wrong things. Because if he can win up here, he's got you everywhere else. Everywhere else. The wisest man says, hey, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So God says, hey, I want to make sure that you win. Even up here, when you fail up here, I still want to make sure you win. So I'm going to make sure that Jesus always, his thoughts are how I will always judge you. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you know that Jesus gave us a secret? To spiritual warfare. I didn't share this when we did. He gave us a secret to spiritual warfare. Did you know that every thought you have is not your own? You know that? If I tell you to think about a blue elephant, all of you right now saw a picture of a blue elephant. You might have known that trick and tried not to think about it. 
but the moment you try not to, now a blue elephant appears, right? Every thought you have is not your own. When you came in this morning and I hugged you, if I hugged you and you said, Matthew smells funny, let me say this, that is not your thought. And everyone said, all right, if you say Matthew is an ugly guy, man, he can preach, but that guy is ugly. That's not your thought. That's not your thought. Now, how do I know that's not your thought? Jesus said something powerful on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this. In fact, do I have it up here? I don't think I do. Do I have it? Oh, I do have it. Watch this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, therefore, take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things. This is the old King James. And I like this version because it says what? Take no thought. So there's three things to observe here. Number one, every thought is not yours. When the devil comes behind you and says, he doesn't say you're getting sick. He never says, if he says you're getting sick, you're going to turn around and say, who spoke to me? Is there someone else in here with me? So what does he say? I'm getting sick. Are you with me? That's not your thought. That's his thought. I'm getting sick. And how do we know it's his thought? Because it doesn't line up with the word of God. Are you with me? I'm getting sick. So what's the second thing? Number two, every thought is not yours. The second thing is this. You don't have to take the thought. You don't have to take it. Jesus told us, take no thought. If a thought comes, you don't have to take it. And number three, how do we take a thought that we shouldn't take it? Say it. Every thought that runs through your mind, don't say it. I've been married four years. I can tell you, don't say it. Don't say it. Just because you have it doesn't mean you should say it. I don't care how long it's in your mind. Right. Don't say it. Right. And all the women said. <laughs> right? Don't say it. Jesus was trying to help all the husbands. Don't say it. <laughs> and every single man, don't say it. Take no thought saying. Okay? If you say it, you've taken it. You don't have to take it. Now this should make you happy. Because when you come to church and you have thoughts against God. And I mean, I was one of those people who, when I was a kid, I think at the time, and this, is, this, this shows how old I am. When I was a kid, we used to say, uh, that person is big. That meant they were heavy. And then we would go to church and say, we have a big God. And I would go. <laughs> and I would start laughing and I'd feel so bad. I'd say, God, forgive me. And as a kid, it haunted me for years. It, it, it did. I never told anyone that. It used to haunt me for years. We have a big God, man. And I would just laugh as a kid in children's church. And then all of a sudden I started to realize, wait a second. I don't have to take the thought. I don't have to take it. If I'm getting sick and in my mind I think I'm getting sick, don't say it. You don't have to take it. If you take it as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You don't have to take it. And even if you've made the mistake in the past of taking it, just take a better thought. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. And if Jesus is not suffering with that, then I won't suffer with it. Now, oh man, we've been going for a long time. I'm going to bring this to a close. Are you ready to bring this to a close? I'll stop talking. (laughs) This is a long Sunday. I'll stop talking. Let me close with Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah 3, and I'll close with this. Now normally I love to end on on a happy note, on a high note, but let me show you what happens when you take a thought that doesn't belong to you. Put it down. Zechariah chapter 3. Now, I'm going to give you the backdrop of the story real quick. We shared this on our Wednesday night. Last time we shared on Wednesday night. If you look at Zechariah 4, he says this. Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my says the Lord. For this mountain before you will become a molehill, and you will bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace. All right? Now, Zechariah was the high priest at the time, which is why I love this story so much. He was the high priest. And as the high priest is, so go the rest of the nation of Israel. So the high priest is having a moment and he's struggling. 
Now, I believe this story was recorded not just for what they were going through, but to give us a New Testament picture of what happens when you have the wrong perspective. So are you ready to see it? Watch this. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. We'll close with this story. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Joshua was the high priest. Watch this. Zechariah is the prophet. I'm sorry. I said Zechariah. Zechariah was the prophet. Joshua is the high priest. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Real quick, who is the angel of the Lord? Ah. <laughs> who is the angel of the Lord that stopped Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham, now I know that you love me. Jesus. Who is the angel of the Lord that met Abraham at the door of his tent? Jesus. And he had two angels with him. Remember that? Who is the angel of the Lord that appears to Joshua as the commander of the armies of the Lord of hosts? Jesus. What does he see? He sees a vision of who? Jesus. Now watch this. Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And watch this. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Now why do I believe this is a New Testament revelation for us? Satan is not opposing him to God. He's opposing him to himself. Satan, in the story of Job, went before God. Because he had a right. Satan has been disarmed. Jesus at the cross, once he was resurrected, put the blood even in heaven. Now, Satan no longer has a right to go before God and accuse you to God. Now, he accuses you to yourself. Are you with me? And in this story, Satan is not standing before God accusing him. He's standing before him accusing him. So what happens to a believer when they receive the accusation? Are you ready to see it? Watch this. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? When I read this, I thought he was talking about Jerusalem. And then I kept reading and realized he's not. He's actually not. Watch this. He says, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this, and he's talking about Joshua. Is Joshua not a brand that has been plucked from the fire? Let me say this. Have you not been plucked from the fire? Were you not doomed for destruction and hell? And did God not pluck you from the fire and save you and choose you and make you a priest unto himself? Even put you in his high priest and say you make Jesus beautiful and glorious? I mean, come on. <laughs> he was a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Now what are we seeing? It's a vision. He sees the high priest, but his garments aren't clean. They're filthy. Why are they filthy? Because he's been receiving the accusation of Satan. Satan's been telling him, you have failed. You are continuing to fail. You are a failure. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to make it. God will not receive your sacrifice. God is not working for you. God is working against you. How can you expect the best? Look at what you've done. He's and because he's receiving it, his garments have become filthy. And the Lord speaks up and says, rebuke you. I have plucked him from the fire. I have saved him. Watch this, verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Didn't that happen to you? Didn't that happen to you? You're not wearing filthy garments. You know what the Bible says about filthy garments in another place? All our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Wow. The one who's trying to be good and trying to deserve God's favor, your garments are filthy. But when you stop and say, It's all by your grace, he gives you new garments. Watch this. Take away the filthy garments from him and said and to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. 
put a what on his head? Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And we'll close with that. We'll close with that. How does God want you to realize, how does God want you to come out of the guilt and condemnation? Realize that as Jesus is, so are you. And you know what? When you receive thoughts that are not yours, when you receive thoughts that are not his, you can still rest. Because as Jesus is, so are you. God has put a clean turban on your head this morning. And all his thoughts, may they flood into your heart. May they flood into your mind. And this week, no matter what the thought is, declare God's word instead. Declare God's favor instead. And as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for your truth that has declared all of us have been made right by the blood of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus alone. So this morning, Father, we thank you for the price that you paid again. We thank you. And in Christ, we rest knowing that the work is complete. So, Father, I just ask right now for everyone that's here and for our children, everyone that's here, that your favor would surround them like a shield. Father, that this week as they go out of this place, that your favor would go before them and begin to open doors of opportunity for them. Father, that as Jesus would experience your grace everywhere he went, so may everyone in here, myself included, and our children, experience your grace everywhere we find ourselves. Father, I thank you that as Jesus was in the boat and the storm came, he spoke one word and the storm stopped. I thank you right now that whatever storms the enemy might be trying to bring in the lives of anyone that's here this morning, we declare that peace is standing still right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that whatever the attack is against anyone that's in here this morning, whatever the attack is, we thank you that the attack is canceled right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If Jesus cannot be under this attack, neither can we. Neither can we. And I declare over everyone in here and over our children, as Jesus is, Father, so are we in this world even right now in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Father amen amen can you stand to your feet can you stand to your feet and just lift your hands right where you're at May the Lord bless you in your going out and in your coming in. May the Lord keep you and your family always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord keep you in everything that he has committed into your hands. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. May the Lord uh, be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance on you. And may you enjoy his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Find someone you didn't come with on the way out.